If you have your Bible today, I want you to go ahead and turn to, let me give you an address here. Go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 20. We'll be there in about 15 minutes. Matthew chapter 20. Does anybody believe the word in here? Amen. 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 Listen, I just encourage you to get hungry for God's word today. And I just believe today that the Lord wants to encourage you and maybe he even wants to challenge you. Are you all right with that? Yeah. So, you, you know, it's kind of funny. I think the Lord is, uh, the Lord is so gentle with us. <laughs> when you agree with that, he's so gentle, he's so kind. And uh, I think there's times, though, even though he's, he's uh, gentle and he's kind, sometimes he has a great way to kick us in the butt. Yes. Today, if you need gentleness or if you need a kick in the butt, I hope you get what you came for, right? Amen? <laughs> All right, well, let's pray and we'll get rolling. Father, I thank you today for your people. Lord, I thank you, God, for just how much you love every one of us, God, and how you desire to move in our lives and how you desire to just bring us to greater levels and greater intimacy with you. And so, Lord, thank you today for just uh, helping us take that next step in you. Father, wherever we're at on our journey, Father, we thank you today, God, that we're taking a step closer to you today. So, Father, would you just please come and just help us to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit today. Help us to hear from the Word of God today. And, uh, Lord, just help our hearts to be open, God, to receive from you today. And so once again, if it's, if it's encouragement that we need today, or maybe we need a challenge from you today, uh, Lord, we just say that we're willing to hear whichever. Lord, help us to be people that just uh, aren't just, just hearers of the word, but God, we're doers of the word, that we actually do what it says. And uh, in fact, what Jesus said there in John, that if you basically do what you know, you'd be blessed. And uh, so Father, let's be a people that do what we know how to do and uh, just not sit on it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to uh, jump right into the third part of our current series that we've been talking about. And the series is basically titled this, You, the Church. If you're here with us the first time or, or maybe you're like me and you need occasional reminder of what's been said, let me just share some quick highlights with you so we're kind of all on the same page. Is that all right? So some of this is going to be repetitive, some of you, and some of you this will be new. And uh, it'll lack some details, but maybe it'll get us all run the same direction. So anyway, so two weeks ago, we asked these simple yet really powerful questions, and it's simply this. It's this. It's who are we, and it's this. What are we doing here? Who are we, and what are we doing here? Who are we, and what are we doing here? Now, when we begin to answer that first part of who are we, obviously, the Bible says a lot of pretty awesome things about us. God has a lot of awesome thoughts about us. But the one area that we're focusing on in this series is simply this, is that God says that you are a minister, that God says you are a Minister, And so when you kind of have that in mind and you move to the next question of what are we doing here, the answer is pretty obvious. We're here to do ministry. Can I get an amen to that? That we are here to do ministry. Now, I know a lot of times in the church world, they see a minister as someone who holds this thing. And, uh, and so it kind of clogs it up. But that's not really what it means. It simply means to serve. And, uh, and so a lot of times the words minister and ministry, they, that just scares the mess out of people. And, and so when you kind of take away the complexity of what the church has tried to make it, you find out that simply all this means is that God has given every one of his kids an opportunity to serve. That's pretty refreshing, right? He's given every one of us an opportunity to serve. So uh, with a few thoughts in mind here really quick, basically I think God's pretty awesome that he identifies us as ministers. And, and the cool part about that is, is it doesn't matter if you've been saved 40 years or you've been saved for 40 minutes. When the Spirit of God comes and lives inside of you, when Jesus comes and lives inside of you, he brings his anointing and he brings his message. And right there you're qualified to be a minister. Amen? If it's nothing else than just to say what happened to you and your story, you're a minister. The second thing there is he, he gives us a ministry. He gives us an opportunity to serve. And what I love about this is he comes and he brings gifts with him because how many of you guys know uh, God's never called us to do anything that we can do within ourselves? 
Right? He always calls us to do something that we cannot do in our own power. And so that's the reason we need God's gifts in our lives. You can listen to podcasts and kind of see where, where those gifts are found. But what happens here that when we go, okay, I know I'm a minister. I know I have a ministry. And I kind of recognize the gifts that God's given me. But I don't know where I should uh, apply them. Well, that's the cool part about the last thing is that God puts a passion in your heart. Amen. That, that, God, that God literally wants you to uh, enjoy what you do and have a passion for what you do in the kingdom. Amen. Amen. All right. So let's kind of get some traction where we're going today. How many of you guys know that even though those four things, go back to it, that those four things are true, we don't always have the greatest grasp and the greatest understanding of those four things in our lives. Can I get an amen? So, you know, it's almost like this. It's like, for some reason, the dots don't always line up. The stars don't always line up. And it's like we understand maybe 30 or 40% of it. But because we don't have the plan 100% perfectly mapped out, what do people tend to do? We tend to hesitate and do nothing. Is that not so true? So, so, you know, what I want to do today is is simply this, is I want to kind of bypass human nature that makes everything so difficult and so complex, right? And, and just go this, how can we simplify the will of God for our lives and make it simple? How can we make it where it's just, man, this is the next step for me. I, I think as a, as a minister, now granted, I spent years working with college and career age and, and high school kids, but, but probably the number one question I've gotten as a minister is this, is how do I know the will of God for my life? And once again, we, we make that so complex and so difficult where we really don't need to. And so what happens is, is, is we get stuck in neutral, and we get stuck in idle, and we end up doing nothing for the kingdom of God. So today, let's find a gear. Amen? Amen. Let's move forward. doesn't matter if you're in first gear or fifth gear. Just move. Amen? All right. So listen, as, as I was kind of preparing for today... I feel like the Lord reminded me of a conversation that I had with a minister. And I think I've told you guys pieces of this before, but uh, maybe not in this context. But, but it was a conversation I had probably 16, 17 years ago. How many of you guys know 16, 17 years ago? You need the Lord to remind you about that, right? Uh, man, I can't even remember last week half the time. <laughs> Anyways, so, but listen, 16, 17 years ago, listen, I was in my early 20s, and, and the conversation had to do basically with a, a conversation I had with another or with a senior pastor. So I was in my early 20s, and, and this guy was probably mid to late 30s. And, and kind of what made this conversation kind of awkward from the get-go is this, is that two years prior to this, this guy offered me a job that I turned down. You, you know, he called me up one morning and said, look, I was in prayer, and I felt like God told me to offer you a job. Of course, he went about it completely the wrong way. He should have called my pastor, talked to my pastor, and all that. He, it was just messy. And, and so I went to prayer because I knew I was in transition, and, uh, and basically the steps ended up leading me to go into North Carolina. So I said no to this guy. Well, fast forward two years later, I was back at the same church, and, uh, and this guy had been senior pastoring now for two years. And so we were talking, and as we were talking, I could uh, tell that this guy was visibly getting aggravated with me. And it wasn't anything that I was doing. I, I think the fact that I said no was still hanging in the air, and it still bothered him. And, and so it, it was kind of like one of those conversations that you have with people where, you know they want to tell you something, but, they, but they're, uh, the conversation isn't naturally going that way. And so they get aggravated and they try to force what they want to say in there. Anybody ever been there? And uh, God bless me. If you've ever been married, you've had those moments. All right, so, 
So anyway, so I, I'm sitting there, and, and he's starting to turn colors and all this stuff. And, and he finally looks at me. He says this. He says, he says Quentin, you, you were, you were uh, in master's commission for years. That was school of ministry I went to and ended up working in and was on staff in. But he said, you, you spent years in that world, and, and then you went to be a youth pastor for two years. And now you're back working with master's commission again. And here's what he said. He said, when are you going to find out your ultimate calling? And, and it wasn't so much... What he said, you know, it would have been fine if it was a question, but it felt more like an accusation. And so it was kind of this deal where, you, you know how sometimes people say something, and it's really the tone of how they say it changes everything. And so it just felt nasty, right? And so, like, like he was just aiming at me. So, so here he said, he said this, this thing, and I felt like I got punched in the gut. And I'm sitting here going, you know, at early 20 years old, whatever, and I'm going, man, I'm such a loser, here I am at 20-some years, you know, right? In my mind, it's ridiculous now to think about it. Hindsight's great when you mature and you get older. But, but, it, but at 20-whatever years old, this guy's thinking I should have my whole life planned out. Because of my respect kind of for this guy, I let, I let his opinion take up too much real estate between my ears. And what happened was is I, I began to feel like, man, I'm such a disappointment to God because I don't know where I'm going to be at in a year, two years, three years, four years, five years. I don't know my ultimate calling. Y'all follow me? So anyways, because I let this guy's words hold, hold so much weight with me, I, I obviously took that to prayer. And, and I began to pray. And, and truthfully, I began to almost like plead with God. God, will you please show me my ultimate calling? What, will, you know, will you somehow, God, show me the totality of your plan for my life? And after you know, weeks of this, maybe months, I can't really, I mean, it was a bit uh, of praying this daily. How many of you guys want to know what God said? He said nothing. <laughs> you, you know, it's almost like I, w- I would have greater success if I was praying for the, uh, I don't know, the, the cure to some rare disease than, than I was to that question, right? So, but God literally said nothing. And so, uh, obviously, I, I kept feeling like I was feeling because here's this guy that is older in the faith than me, and he had this, this opinion, and so I thought it was right. But it didn't settle well with me. You know, fast forward, I guess, maybe a month or so, if I can remember right. And I got invited to uh, David Ravenhill's house to go kind of rearrange his home library. Pretty cool guy to go hang out with. And so after we were there for a few hours, I, um, I, I just turned to Brother David. And I said, Brother David, I, you know, once again, didn't really say why I was asking. I just said, you know, here's a guy. He was probably mid-60s at the time, you know. Late 50s at the time, I'm sorry. And I just said, Brother David, I said, uh, have you ever known your ultimate calling? And he just looked at me and, and, you know, here's this, just such a seasoned man of God that I've respected so much over the years. He just, he just turned to me, gave me his undivided attention and just said, Quentin, and then he began with his salvation moment. And then he went to his Bible college moment. And then he, he just began to walk through his journey with God of when he, you know, went to work Teen Challenge, then went to work with... Uh, as a missionary with YWAM. And then when he went associate pastor at Christ Church in New Zealand, and then he uh, senior pastored in the stops that he did there. Then he talked about when he taught at a uh, basic school of ministry, and then basically to where he was at at that time, and still at today as a traveling uh, itinerant minister. And, And then he said this, he basically said all that to get to this one point. He said, you know, Quentin, I've never known my ultimate calling. I've just always been available. I've just always, I've just always made myself available. And I tell you what, when I heard that, and, and I'm sure you've been in a spot where you're like, Jesus, please speak to me. But man, that was God talking. And, and, there, and there was such a, uh, such a relief. It was like a, you know, a, an absolute weight just fell off my back. And, and, and so anyways, I, I kind of want to say a few things about that here. But, 
But it was like the words of the first minister, not trying to over-exaggerate uh, it here, but it's almost like it put me in a spiritual bondage that led me, once again, to practically pleading with God for some magical moment that He would reveal the next 50 years of my life. You know, maybe you've never done that, but it's almost, uh, once again, it's silly, because in hindsight, if God would reveal the next 50 years of my life, well, guess what? That doesn't take a whole lot of faith. And we've been called to walk in faith. Right? We walk by faith, not by sight, right? And, and so, so on this one side, it, once again, I wait for this magical moment. But then on the other hand, uh, with the words that Brother David said, it basically just released peace in my heart concerning the will of God. And, and it was like this. Without him really saying it, it reminded me that, guess what? The, my gifts will make room for me. It was a reminder that, guess what, that I can trust God to reveal his plan for my life, that, that literally that one step at a time, he'll reveal it exactly when I need him to, exactly how he needs it to. In fact, it, it helped me come to the place I live today that the will of God is so big that it is basically I would have to set my heart in absolute disobedience to miss it. Right? Because why? Because here's a God that's good, and he wants me to be in his will more than I want to be in his will. Amen? So all I have to do is just... Guess what? Do, what? do what he says. Read the Bible, pray, worship, have a personal prayer time, uh, prayer life with him, walk with him. And guess what? He'll guide those ways, right? Amen. Isn't that encouraging? So, so you know, it's a reminder, and I'll throw two verses at you here real quick. Psalms thirty-seven twenty-three: that the steps of a righteous man are ordered by God. Amen. That Proverbs 16, 9 says, a man's heart plans his ways, but the Lord directs his what? His steps. Can you all say steps? Yeah, see, it's this, is that so often, once again, this guy, this first guy was wanting me to know where around me 20 years and exactly what it is. And the funny part about it was, is here's this guy who'd been serving God for years. That was the, the third thing that I knew him as already. Am I making sense? He had this secular job, then he went and did this other ministry job, then went to this other ministry job. So it wasn't like he already struck gold too. You know, it's funny, how, it's funny how people in the church will put something on you that they won't put on themselves. Amen. All right, so that was good. You should say amen. So anyways, if I could put this another way, it was like, it was like the words of the first guy. You know, and the first guy really loves God, so don't, you know, he's a good dude. But, but it really left me confused. Where the other guy, Brother David, the words that he gave me really did this. It, it really provided me with the next step of my journey. And, and I want to make this, once again, really simple for you here. Because the next step for me really became this. See the need, meet the need. Instead of over-spiritualizing this thing that I have to contend with God daily to find... Just see the need, meet the need. Why? Because my steps are ordered by God. Am I making sense to you guys? So what happened was, is, uh, you know, when my pastor came and he simply said, Hey, Quentin, I need you to do this. You know, I didn't get hung up on 8,000 things. I just simply said, yes, sir, and I went and gave it the best I had. Sometimes I did good, sometimes I didn't do so good, right? But it was simply this, that because I began to say, okay, God, I'm available, and you can use me however you want to, it completely changed my approach to ministry. Am I making sense to you guys today? So, you know, watch this. So what happened was, is because there became such a simplicity to this thing, over the years, you know, here's how it's looked. I, I spent time serving in children's ministry, glory to God. I, I spent time being a youth volunteer, ended up becoming a youth pastor, ended up being a college and career pastor. I mean, I've led small groups. I've taught Sunday school classes. Even, i got to say this about Sunday school class. I showed up to church one Sunday morning in Louisiana, and a kid came and told me, hey, by the way, uh, you're our new teacher. They didn't even tell me. <laughs> I found out from a 15-year-old kid that I was now with the high school class. Amen. All right, so... 
Anyway, so I've taught Sunday school classes. You know, I've been a part of schools of ministry, taught in them. I've led them, uh, you know, greeter ministry, usher ministry, guest hospitality. We've done altar ministry, prayer ministry, nursing home ministry, you know, street evangelism, outreach ministry, pr- uh, prison ministry. Thank God they let me out of that one. So uh, anyway, so we've done public schools. We've done housekeeping. Man, I've cleaned toilets. I've, you know, whatever. I've stayed in chairs. We've cut grass. We've dug ditches. We've set up for every event under the sun and tore down from it. You, you know, we've done all of that. And watch this. They even let me be a part of the choir twice. <laughs> My gift set is not there. So anyways, but the kind of the, the point that I want to make to you is this, is that, is that after all those years of living with that kind of mindset, here's what happened. All of those see a need, meet a need moments began to accumulate. And after a while, they started to look a whole lot like God's preparation in my life. I'm making sense to you guys. You see, it was, it was this. It was that, like God continually put things in my path to help train me and help prepare me better for whatever was the next season he had for me. And, and it's kind of this thing that, that we got to understand biblically that when we've been faithful with the little things in this season... That God finally goes, okay, now I can trust you with the challenges and the obstacle of the next season. In other words, it, you, you won't fold under it. Because here's the thing, man. God's so good. He, he's going to make sure we're prepared. Because if we just, if, if I would have did what that guy told me and I just hopped in 20 years from now, it would have destroyed me. But God gives you little steps along the way. Why? To fortify you and strengthen you. To give you wisdom. To create maturity in you. Character in you. Because he doesn't want to get embarrassed in the process either. Right. And he helps you, you know, basically grow to where you can actually stand and go, Okay, with God's help, I can do this. Amen. Because here's the thing. Life is not easy. Right. Can I get an amen? Amen. So I think it's just important. And once again, this is so simple. I'm telling you today. But 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 it's good for all of us to remember that that no one ever begins at their destination. We just don't. We all have a starting place. And, and listen, wherever you're at today, if, if you've been a Christian for a month or if you've been a Christian for 50, 60 years, guess what, guys? Look at me. If you're still breathing air, you have a next step. Amen? Amen. Amen. So listen, so let, let's, uh, let's shift gears here a little bit. Let me say what I really want to say today. I believe if, if we are going to live with this kind of mindset, in other words, if, if this is something that we all go, yeah, that's Jesus, all right? If we're going to live with this kind of mindset that says, man, God, I'm just available, then there's going to be something that we need. And if I can kind of add to what we've been talking about lately, if we are going to do church as a team, this is something that we have to add. In fact, it is an absolute requirement or we're not going to go any further. Is that all right? So here's the the main thing we're going to talk about today is simply this. It's a servant's heart. (laughs) It's a servant's heart. How many of you guys know that that's not always the most natural response in life? So true, is it not? It, it is, man, um, you, you know, not to beat anybody up, but man, we can be so selfish. Listen, I think if, if you want to find out the reality of me, I guess I'll say, when I realized how selfish I really was in life, was when I had my first kid. <laughs> Help me, Jesus. <laughs> right? Man, you can't even be selfish about sleep at that point, right? <laughs> I saw a young guy at the pitch the other day. It was so funny. He had a, he had a kid uh, a week and a half ago. And uh, he, he let me know very quickly he wasn't getting any sleep. <laughs> you know, that, that, they change your life. Amen? So a good change, though. So kind of in this sense that, man, that we need servants' hearts, I, I think it's because it's not a natural response for us, that, that's why Jesus spent so much time talking about it. Right? He was constantly kind of 
you, you know, if, if you will, grab, grabbing his disciples by the face and saying, no, 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 you got to look at it this way. Right? And I think he does it with us, and I hope he does it with us today. So let me show you a verse here. You guys found Matthew 20 yet? Awesome. Here we go. Verses 20 through 22. And then we'll skip down. We'll go 24 through 28. Matthew 20, 20. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says this. It says, Then the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus with her sons. Get that? Then the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus with her Son. So kind of get the picture here that basically here's John and James. They're too much of a chicken to ask Jesus this question so they convince mom to do it for them. <laughs> How embarrassing, right? Okay. So, yeah. Mama love you and nobody else will. That's truth. All right, here we go. So it says this. It says that she knelt respectively to ask a favor of Jesus, right? And he goes, what is your request? She replied, in your kingdom, please let my two sons sit in places of honor next to you. That's a big ask. And then it says, one on your right and the other on your left. It says, but Jesus answered by saying to them, you don't know what you're asking. So kind of get the picture here that James and John are asking through their mom if they can have the golden ticket. <laughs> if they can have the seat of honor, man, if they can have the ride, if they can have the spotlight, man, they, they, they want the spot next to the man. Anybody follow me here? And so... Let's uh, kind of fast forward two more verses, and, and as you can expect, that went over really well. You know, 24 says this. It says, when the ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked. Can I tell you all something here? There comes a time in life where you lose, use a little bit of wisdom and you say this. Hey, hey, Jesus. Hey, man, come over here. Let me ask you a question. Yeah, yeah, let's get No, no. It's like, let, no, you're good. Let, let me, let me, let's get away from everybody else. These guys just rolled up in there. Hey, Jesus, we got a question in front of everybody. Oh, it's like, man, wisdom, they had none. Here we go. So, but it says this, when the 10 other disciples heard what James and John, knows not with their mama, but what James and John had asked, it says they were indignant. These guys were ticked off. And, and the reason they were ticked off is because of this, because it revealed their heart. And it showed, watch this, in the whole context of this, that none of these guys, James and John and all the other guys included, nobody wanted to be seen as less than the other ones. Is that not so true? That, that in other words, that they couldn't stand in life, man, man, that this guy and this guy, man, people view them better than me. So guess what? So I have to get in there and I got to fight for my position because guess what? I want to be accepted and viewed and that, man, I'm the man. Yes? In the church world, it looks a lot like this. It looks like, man, i got to look spiritual. <laughs> Just be you, please. Jesus already knows the real thing anyways. He's the only one that matters, right? And then it says this. And I love it. So Jesus obviously probably senses, man, this isn't good. There's a lot of tension here. And he goes, okay, boys, come here. Let me give you a little perspective. It says in verse 25, it says, But Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you it will be different. Do you understand that? That we are in a different kingdom. We operate in a very different way. Amen? And uh, I like what you know. a lot of people say. It's an upside-down kingdom. We've all seen that, right? The triangle, the man's up top. In this kingdom, you invert that thing, and, and, and basically the greatest is what Jesus said right here. He goes on and says this. It says, basically, quit acting like those people. Quit expecting what those people expect. And then he says, whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your what? Must be your servant. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. 
And it says, verse 27, And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. And then he says this, Boys, you've got to stop and look at the example I've given you. And he says this powerful verse. It says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. He's saying, fellas, if anybody has a right to do that, it's me. But look what I did for you. Are you guys following me? You, you know, I, I kind of I mentioned that verse in this next one a few weeks ago, but just kind of so you have an address to it. it. It's like Jesus is constantly trying to teach this principle, and I believe he wants to teach it to us, is what we find in Proverbs eighteen twelve. Look at this. It says, before a downfall, the heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. Who wants a downfall? <laughs> we'll get arrogant and run for it. Right? But he goes, man, if you want honor, and where's true honor come from? It comes from God, not man. If you really want that, then guess what? Man, be humble. Amen? Amen. Listen, it's almost like Jesus said this. Boys, if you want to do great things in the kingdom, let's see if you can learn how to give a cup of cold water to a child of my name first. Let's see if you can wash someone's feet first. Let's see if you can give your own self sacrificially first. Let's see if you can die on your own cross first. Can I get an amen? Listen, I, I read this other day. I want to share this to you. I, this is actually a, a quote by Mother Teresa. You know, Mother Teresa, Teresa worked in uh, Calcutta, India, and served basically among the poorest people in the world. But she said this, probably one of the greatest servants that's ever lived. She said, what we are doing is but a drop in the ocean. This may be only a drop, but the ocean would be less if it weren't there. Y'all follow me? It says, what we do is something small, but we do it with big hearts. Let me pause right there, okay? Let me interrupt myself here. I think a lot of times people say, well, if I, in other words, like I have whatever, this job in life, and I got all this stuff going on, and blah, 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 right? Because we're all busy, yes? I got four kids. I'm busy, amen? So we think, man, if I, if I stop all that, and I come and do this, man, it's really not that much. If I get involved in the church in this piece, man, it's really not that much. Uh, it's just a small thing. Now, let me ask you in this question. I'm not a puzzle guy. I've got a few kids that love putting together puzzles. But, but let's say that, that we sat down over Christmas Day, and we put together one of those big 1,000-piece, 3,000, however ultimately that they go, pieces of puzzle. Uh, you know you get what I'm saying, right? And, and, and we get all the way down the end, and we find out that we are missing one. <laughs> that piece becomes really important at that point, doesn't it? And so if we can see our lives as this, that, man, we're all pieces to the puzzle, and God's trying to put it together. But, man, if we don't contribute our one, it does affect things. It does, watch this, it messes up the picture that God's trying to display to a region about who he is. Amen? Because there's that idea that, that it's like every one of us reflect a different piece of him because we're all created in his image and no one's complete image of him, but we all give a, give a piece of it. And when we all come together, we give the picture. Are y'all with me today? So let's go back to the homegirl here. She said this. She said, uh, what we are doing is but a drop in the ocean. This may be only a drop, but the ocean would be less if it weren't there. She says, what we do is something small, but we do it with big hearts. At death, we will not be judged by the amount of work we did, but by the amount of love we put into it. Watch the sixth part. We do not strive for spectacular actions. What counts is the gift of yourself, the degree of love you put into each of your deeds. And then watch this last part. Come on, watch this, disciples. She said, do you want to be great? Pick up a broom and sweep the floor. Amen. Go home and write that down. If you want to be great, pick up a broom and sweep the floor. 
Man, that's so good. Over the years, I've, I've seen people, you know, I've been ministry a while now, and, I, and I've seen people respond to those pick a broom up and sweep the floor moments in three different ways. And uh, the first way is this. I'll just share it with you. The, the first thing that I've seen people do is this, is they, they think they're above the opportunity. They think they're above the opportunity. I just had an example that came to my mind, and I'm going to give it to you. I remember years ago, we were going to do a fundraiser at our church. And, um, you know, we, we, as a youth group, and I was a youth pastor, we hit a spot. I don't know if it's this exact year, but we had to raise $52,000 for a week of camp. That's a lot of money. Are you all with me? So, so, so we set out about six months before it, and we said, okay, we got to raise $52,000. Jesus Help me, okay? And, and so we decided part of a thing that we did every year is we did a youth versus adult uh, basketball game. We called it the wannabes versus the has-beens, okay? So uh, we've been doing it for years, and, and I coached the old guys, and I got somebody else coached the young guys, and we went and played ball, and we just raised money. And, and, and you know, it was, I mean, we raised like a little over 1000 bucks. I mean, it wasn't like something we knocked it out of the ballpark, right? But I remember one, uh, one Sunday there was a group of guys that were on the worship team and, and they, they all came out and, you know, we had, uh, you know, down there, we had a pretty big worship ministry. And, uh, and so they all came out and I said, Hey guys, can you help me put flyers on the cars? Being that guy that everybody hates, right? Can you help me? Let's put flyers on the car. And a guy looked at me and said, uh, he goes, no, man, I'm good. And I know me. I know that I can get mouthy and I can be confrontational. I can get emotional quick. I, I, I gnawed through my tongue, and I walked off. And that thing bugged me and bugged me and bugged me. And I realized something about that guy, who I helped disciple, by the way. I went back to him and, and another guy that was there, and I said, you know, man, you know what my problem was about the other day? I said that if our senior pastor wouldn't ask you, you would have said yes. And the difference was he lacked a servant's heart because why? Because when you have a servant's heart, it doesn't matter who asks you. But if the, senior, if the senior pastor would ask him, guess what? That would have been more of a spotlight. That would have gave him more favor than he would have did it. But what happens when somebody's just kind of equal with you in the pile asks you to do something? You find out your, your heart's exposed really quick. Am I making sense to you guys? That here he was, that he thought he was above it. So kind of let, let me just kind of give you a few things. When there's a job that comes open, okay, or a task that's at hand, somebody says, hey, we need this. Man, if that thing's disliked or it's unfavorable, man, I've heard people say this. Man, you know, that's just not my gift. Or they'll say, ah, you know, I'm just not that passionate about that. Or, or they give my all-time favorite where they say, uh, you know, I just don't feel led. And see, what I've learned over the years is, is the truth is it has nothing to do with gift sets. It has nothing to do with passions. It has nothing to do with the leading of the Holy Spirit. None of that's the problem. The problem is their heart. They have too much pride in their lives to get down in the muck and mire with people. They have too much arrogance in their lives, and they think they're too good to get their hands dirty. Listen, folks. Everybody listen to me. If we are going to do ministry, if we're going to help people, if we're going to make an impact, you're going to have to get dirty. And let me go ahead and help all of you out. You're going to get hurt in the process. You know why? Because most of the time we're dealing with hurt people and hurt people hurt people. It's just the way it is, right? But, but you'll find a diamond in there sometimes and it comes out good. Are you all following me? Listen, to this attitude that thinks, man, I'm just above this thing. Man, I, man, I don't need to. I'm, I'm overqualified. Hallelujah. Good for you. But let, let, me, let me read this to you real quick. Uh, look, at, look at Luke 14, 7 through 11. 
It says this, it says, when Jesus noticed that all who had come to the dinner, come to the pick up your broom and, and, and sweep the floor moment, right? That they were trying to sit in the seats of honor near the head of the table. I'm too good for that. He gave them this advice, okay? It says, when you are invited to a wedding feast, when you're invited to come and serve, he said this, don't sit in the seat of honor. What if someone who is more distinguished than you uh, has also been invited? The host will come and say, give this person your seat. Then you will be embarrassed, and you will have to take whatever seat is left at the foot of the table. Where? At the foot of the table. Instead, take the lowest place at the foot of the table. Then when your host sees you, he will come and say, friend, we have a better place for you. Then you will be honored in front of all the other guests. My reading is on point today. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Can I, I'm just, whatever, we're going to go in my seat of pants here. But, you know, years ago, you know, I went from, I went from youth pastoring in a several thousand member church, okay, to, to being in housekeeping at that same church. I left, came back, was on Pastor Tev, came back as housekeeping. And here's one thing, probably the greatest compliment I ever got is I found out this is what helped my heart get right in that situation was, is I said, you know what? If Jesus was going to walk in this room today, man, how would I want to look for him? And that's how I cleaned, right? That's how I set up. And, and here's what happened. So this part where it says, hey, man, somebody's going to come to you and say, hey, we got something better for you. My pastor came to me one day and he said this. He said, Quentin, I want you to know that basically this has all been a test. I wanted to see your heart. And he said, you know, basically, because by this time, Jen was in there too, working on, working on that same, same team. And he said, I've basically, I found out what you guys have been doing. And after you've been done, I've, I've intentionally walked in the room to see what kind of job you've done. And he goes, because you've done X, Y, and Z, and you've done it with excellence, and you've done it well, I want to offer you this job. Are y'all following me? So here's the thing. You know, we should not think that, okay, well, that's that pastor. Man, what's Jesus doing? Because I believe Jesus inspired that. Are y'all following me? Like what, kind of, what kind of deal did we do? Let, let, me, let me maybe kind of hop in here and say this. I, I read a story this week about uh, a church that was basically, as a pastoral team, they were talking. They were like, man, let, let's, do a, let's do a thrift store. This was church in Hawaii. Let, let's do a thrift store so it'll, it'll help the people in our church. And, and so let's try to get uh, good stuff, you know, quality stuff, you know, because you're still trying to bring value to people and all those things. And, uh, and so they were kind of the plan of this. And a, in the middle of all that, of praying and preparing, uh, a store called them. And said, hey, can you come? we got two big boxes we want to give you to stuff that, that maybe you guys can use. Well, this pastor was like, man, God's answering our prayers, right? And he was pumped. He was excited. And he goes down to the store. Man, there's two big boxes. And the guy just said, yeah, we got a, a manager coming in. We needed to get rid of it. And so he said, man, thank you. And he, he throws uh, the boxes in the car. And he goes uh, to the church. And he's all excited. He opens the box up. And, and to his... Uh, disappointment, he finds out that it's all a bunch of return stuff that's broken, soiled, messed up, stained. Are y'all following me? And, and so here he was just crushed. That man that this guy, it's like he made a decision, does this stuff go to the dump or should we send it to the church? Let's send it to the church. And so he, he tried to fix the certain things that he could fix and, and, and make them and, and the rest of it, he just threw in the trash. And, and he realized this, he said this, he goes, you know what? 
whatever, like a week later, that guy called and said, hey, can I get a, can I get a thing for my taxes? And he said he got angry, but he realized that, guess what he said, as a church, we gave him permission to do that. And he said this, basically, because as a church, a lot of times, what we bring to God isn't our best. It isn't our excellent. We bring the leftovers to God. And somehow we're bringing our leftovers and our little bit of effort and our little bit of whatever. Then guess what? Somehow it gave somebody from the world permission to think that that's the value that, or the excellence or the level of excellence that we operate from. Are y'all following me? So, so man, listen, when, we, when it comes to God, man, we, we want to give him the best. Yeah. Amen? So let me kind of give you this. that um, You know, just a thought. How different would our lives be and how much rewarding would our lives be if we learned to sit at the foot of the table? If we learned to live with a humble heart, yes, with a servant heart, ready to do something. And In fact, I read this quote the other day, and I think it's awesome. Uh, It simply said this, that the fastest way to the throne will always be through the servant's entry. (sighs) The fastest way to the throne, man, if you want to get the king of kings heart, man, learn how to come through the servant's entry. Amen? All right, number one, I got to speed it up. People think they're above it. Number two, they think they're beneath the opportunity. I, I think between the two worlds, this is the one I've struggled with the most. For sure, this is the one I've struggled with the most. It is, it's kind of like this. It's like for whatever reason, man, we, we tend to act like that old, uh, we've all heard the stories. This is going to be nothing new. But that old, that old surf, uh, circus young elephant, right? When the, when, the, when the elephant's a baby and it's young, we know that the caretaker, he puts a big old stake in the ground, puts a chain on the, on the elephant's foot, and the elephant tugs, and he tries to pull. And when he realizes, man, I can't get away, th- then he just gives up hope, right? Says, forget it. And what happens is, we all know the story, the elephant gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and now it's a full-grown elephant, a whole lot stronger, and obviously could rip the whole place up. But what they do, they put like a little wooden stake and a little flimsy string, basically a little flimsy rope to its ankle, and and then what happens? The thing thinks, guess what? I've been conditioned. I can't break the rope. And let me just read this real quick. It it Basically, the thing won't go anywhere. Why? Uh, Because it doesn't believe it can. Here's why. It has been conditioned to think small. It has been conditioned to think small. And I've just learned over the years, man, too often we disqualify ourselves from even the smallest task because we just think we can't do it. Man, I, I have... The easy parts for me is, has been, hey, can you go uh, sweep that? Hey, can you go mop that? Hey, can you go... That's easy for me. Easy. Right? Really, really easy. Until I left that church down there, I straightened the chairs every week. We had a housekeeping staff. I said, I got it. reason was because I could do it better. <laughs> okay? Truth. <laughs> Too much training, right? So uh, I want it done the right way. I'm a little particular about that. But, but, but here's the thing. It was when it came to what God's called me to do, people say, hey, brother, uh, you know, I want you to come to our church and preach. In that moment, every insecurity, man, we want you to come to our youth camp. And I've said, no, I cannot tell you how many times. Because why? Because I just didn't think I could. Right? For some reason, I didn't think that I could stand up in front of all those people and, and let heaven come. Right? That I, couldn't, that I couldn't be the gateway, that I couldn't be the doorway. They needed somebody else. And, and I said no to way too many opportunities until finally, uh, like I told you guys, I don't know, a few years ago, I said, you know, I'm done saying no. I felt like the Lord put me up against the wall and said, are, are you going to quit backing up from opportunities I've given you? I said, okay. I'm, and it was even this. Somebody say, hey, brother, can you, can you close out in prayer? I'm preaching every week. You want me to get there and pray? And I finally had to go, you know what? This isn't a competition. Just talking to Jesus. It ain't that bad. 
Right? Make sense? Hand me the mic. Let's rock and roll. You know, e- even this morning, man, guess what? I still got nervous. I've talked to y'all way too many times to be getting nervous. But I still do. Anyways, why? Because too often I think that, man, I'm, I'm beneath this thing. But, but I want you to know today that this, that neither one of these mindsets, if you think you're above it or you think you're beneath it, beneath it, neither one of them are from God. And the reason is because neither one of them produce life. Are you with me? And it's this that I found, just like me in my own experience. It's like, man, you're going to keep circling that mountain until either you learn humility or you gain confidence. You're not going anywhere. Right? And the confidence obviously is in ourselves. But I had to get a revelation of who I was in him and who he was in me before we could do something. Amen? So let, let me kind of show you something here that, that I think is really the problem with both these mindsets. And, and this is actually, uh, I read this from a pastor that went on tour to Israel. L- listen to this. I think, I think it will help you out here. It says, last year we took a tour to Israel. He said, one of my favorite stops was the Dead Sea. It's a beautiful, expansive lake touching the Jordan's borders on its east, uh, and then obviously Israel on the other side. And it says this, the, min- the mineral deposits of the Dead Sea are abundant, making it one of the richest spots on the face of the earth. Normal ocean water contains about 4% mineral content, giving it that salty taste. Uh, but the Dead Sea has a mineral content of 22%. So basically it says scattered throughout the lake, you can see uh, these pillars of salt, uh, or rather uh, minerals that stand up. He says like lone soldiers waiting for command. And it says the water, which resembles more baby oil than it does ocean water, lazily laps the shores. And he went on to say this, However, as beautiful and as rich as the Dead Sea is, you won't see any familiar sights usually seen around the Middle Eastern lakes. No fishing villages, no boats, no drying nets, no haggling over fish prices or seagulls gliding overhead. Why? Because nothing lives in the Dead Sea, hence its name. The heavy mineral content makes it unlivable for fish or any other living creature, uh, creature common to the nearby lakes, uh, such as the Sea of Galilee. The Dead Sea is rich but dead, abundant and wealthy but lifeless. And then he says this, the main reason that you don't see any life is because there's no outlet. Don't miss this. The headwaters of the Jordan have fed this lake, freely depositing minerals along the way. But because the Dead Sea cul-de-sacs in a desert that's nearly 1,000 feet below sea level, it releases its intake of water only through evaporation. There's no other outlet. There are no currents of water, no flowing tributaries, and no life to embrace within its shores. Here's the point. That people can turn into Dead Seas, rich in content but lifeless. And he says this, there's only one way to begin the life process flowing, and that's to open up an outlet. We've got to get our gifts moving and our hearts serving, and then the currents of life will begin to appear. You guys hear me? That's the problem. People who think they're too good, they have no outlet. People who think they're beneath it, they have no outlet. And even though they come to church and they can worship and they can hear the word, guess what happens? After a while, those people, uh, basically, because there's no outflow in their life, they become stagnant and they become dead inside. And typically, that's when they say, well, I'm going to go to another church that meets more of my needs. And that's the problem in church. Most of the time, it's not about us. It's about meeting somebody else's needs. Right? It's a family. Amen? Listen, there comes a time where we all realize in church is this. Um, let me liken it to this. When you're at your house, uh, man, who wants to wash the dishes? Right? Man, when I was a single guy and I lived with 13 other dudes or whatever it was, man, whose dishes are in the sink? I don't know. And, and we, 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 all, we always joke, it's Mr. Nobody. Mr. Nobody ate the cheesecake again. Mr. Nobody, you know, messed up that dish. Mr. Nobody, because nobody was feeling led. 
to wash the dishes. It's just not my gift. It's not my passion. Listen, I got four kids and I have never thought, man, it is my gift to go change a diaper. Are y'all with me? So, so here's what happens. We, we have this mindset in our own families. Man, we got to get the job done. Right? We're mainers, right? We, we work hard, right? I said we. I'm from Bama. But you know what I meant. <laughs> Y'all work hard, right? But, but when it comes to church, well, that's church. That's somebody else's responsibility. Folks, we're a family. Are y'all, are y'all feeling me? Amen. See, see there's this picture. I'll just say it. It's like this. The, 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 a healthy church doesn't look like this. A few people doing many things. A healthy church looks like many people doing one thing. And doing it well so God can do what he wants to do. Are y'all hearing me today? So it's kind of like this, man. What would happen in our lives if we begin to make ourselves available? If we begin to say, okay, man, I'll sign up for that outlet. And I just believe, man, that life and growth will naturally begin to happen. Why? Because healthy things grow. Amen? Are y'all following me today? All right, the third group. So we have people think they're above it, people think they're beneath it. Third group, these are my people. Uh, man, they think they're the solution for the opportunity. Maybe not worded the best way, but man, they think they're the solution. And it's kind of this, this idea, if you can kind of think about it this way. Nowhere in the Bible does it record, I'm not saying God didn't, but I don't see it in the Bible. Nowhere does it say that God spoke to David and told him to go kill Goliath. Doesn't never tell him to go fight him. What did he do? He saw a need. He said, sign me up. I know my God. I'll go get him. Are you feeling me? And so what happened was, it's because one man met a need, man, it freed an entire nation. Amen? So it's kind of like this. Um, these people that feel like their solution, if I can give you a word picture, man, these people, they, they want to be like a pitcher, like a water pitcher. Let me get filled up and let me get poured out. Let me get filled up. Let me get poured out. The opposite is this, is what a majority of, I'm not saying this church, but the church looks like, is they want to be a sponge. Dip me into that, what God's doing, and pull me out. And guess what happens? I am so full. Guess what? I've reached my max. I can't take any more. And guess what, guys? You're not going to get any more until you learn to let the Holy Ghost squeeze you out in an area and then dip you back in. That's the flow of our lives, right? The, the Bible says this, says that we should be continually filled. Not one-time shot, continually. But the only way we can continually be filled is, guess what, if we're empty again. And it doesn't mean empty because I'm broken and I'm defeated and I'm all that stuff. It just means that basically I've given it out. You, you, you know, I remember when I made the transition to my first pastoring job, uh, there was this little strange guy that was in our school of ministry. His, his name was... Uh, I think it was Jonah, or Jonah, anyways, Jonah, Jonas, anyways, little bitty fella, strange fella. I'm talking about really, really strange. No, seriously, strange. He'd like sleep in Indian style, like strange, okay? You know, Ben didn't even lay down. But he, but he said this, he said, Quentin, he goes, uh, I envy you. I'm like, why is that, bro? Right? And he goes, basically, because I was taking this job, and he was saying this. He said, because you're going to be in a spot where you've got to give more, God's going to speak to you more. That's why I said, I envy you. And so what happens is, is guess what? We, we, we don't understand that. You know, well, it's a little I got. Man, give it away. Your little's enough. Give it away and let Jesus give you more. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to ask you today, uh, really this. Obviously, we, we've been talking about 
for weeks. And, yeah, it's kind of set up, I guess. You know, we've been talking about doing church as a team. That we're, Church is people. It's not a building. All those things for, for, for weeks, right? And, and so what are we going to do? Where are we going to get involved? What's our next step? Are y'all, are y'all following me? I realize that there are certain people that, that you, you know, maybe got some issues going on. They say, hey, I'm not really ready. I, I get that. Let's get you, let's get you well. If, if there's anybody here that cares more about who you are than what you do, that's me. Okay? Definitely. Okay? But in the sense of this, as a church, if we're going to grow and develop, then guess what? We've got to do our part. Right? I realize there's a lot of people that aren't here today that typically are here, but, but, but it's this sense. It's, it's this idea that we can't say, God, we're serious about kids. God, we're serious about teenagers. God, we're serious about X. We're serious about Y. We're serious about Z. If, if we don't say, amen. Are y'all feeling me? Yeah? So, so, so there's this sense that, guess what? It's, uh, man, God cares about his kids. Right? So we need to say, hey, man, God, amen. Right? So let me kind of give you an idea real quick. Angelo, come here, please. You and Diane? Totally going off on fly here a little bit. So, so these, guys, these guys oversee uh, our first impression team, greeters. These guys are super relational, super friendly, great spot for them, okay? And, uh, and so what's this, though? There, there's part of it, for me at least, I go, man, there's more here than that. So we got to get them in the more here. So, so guess what? But, but here's a great place to serve. These guys also oversee our prayer ministry on Monday nights, yes? So, so from 6 to 7, you say, man, I want to pray. These guys got tons of giftings. Um, I'm jealous. Anyway, so, so but, but these guys, uh, if you go, man, I, I'm, I'm willing to serve there. Man, I'm, I'm, willing to be a, I'm willing to be a greeter to make it simple. Man, that the love of God, man, we can share the love of God in people when they come in the room. And, you know, and that's the thing that was we talked a few weeks ago. Man, that's preaching the gospel because it's showing the gospel, right? When, you don't know how many people come in there that go, man, I just, man, life sucks, right? And some, a simple handshake, simple hug, simple kind word can change somebody's day. Thank God, life and death, right? So, so if you're interested in that, so uh, if, if, you're, if you're interested in youth ministry, I'm your man C. We're looking, for, we're looking for somebody else to take that. Rachel, come here, please. If you go, man, you know, I, I have a, watch this. Let me maybe clarify something here on this one. Like me, if you ain't got a singing voice to get in the choir, don't see the need meet the need here, all right? Just, just listen. Just pray that God will send somebody. All right, please. Uh, you got to have some giftings to to be a part of the worship team. But if you're interested, say, man, I, I I'd like to try out for the thing. I'll be a part of the worship team. Le- Leah, can you come up, please, and bring your gang with you? Actually, come on. Look at these cute kids. There you go. So, truthfully, at this moment, let me let me do this. Austin, come here real quick. Hustle, hustle, hustle. Even to kind of give you an idea today, really. Our, our head media person is down working nursery at this moment. How awesome is that? So this is second in charge. Come to media world. If you're interested, man, I want to run a computer. I want to learn how to do sound. You got to be gifted there too. Anyways, see this guy. Take a step back, man. You're awesome. So, so obviously, look at all these beautiful faces. One of, them, one of them is prettier than all the other ones. This one right here, more handsome. My offspring. So, so here's the thing. On a serious note, we have a, really, we have a really big need in children's ministry. So I'm just going to ask Leah to talk to you really quick, and then, um, and then I'm going to pray, and I'm going to release you guys. Let me tell you something real quick. I feel like what I just did to you guys. This is awesome. Have, have any of you guys ever heard of a lady named Amy Simple McPherson? 
Anybody? So, you know, Amy Smith McPherson pastored a church in Hollywood, right? And super creative, and, and people all around Hollywood would literally come to her church and watch her illustrated sermons and then go take them and put them in movies. They were getting their ideas from God. We need to change that these days, right? And so, anyways, so she did this one time in the middle of the street. She, she literally took a, a, a box. Excuse me. She took a box and she did this. And she just stood on it, frozen like that. For like a length of time. And what happens is kids would say, come on, dad, come on, dad. Let's go look at this lady. And a crowd would gather and she would jump off the box and she'd go, quick, follow me. And she'd take off running down the street. Well, all the kids would take off running after her. Then the parents would chase their kids down the street, right? Brilliant. And so basically she would run into the mission, the church, and, and literally she would get everybody in. All the kids would gather and she would say to the ushers, quick, lock the doors. And they would put chains on the doors, and she would start preaching the gospel to them, all right? So that's kind of what we did to you today about serving opportunities. But anyways, here we go. I will not, though, take you downstairs and lock the door in the children's church room. <laughs> I don't know. I've been tempted a few times. Yeah, so a few weeks ago, my husband was up here preaching about the governing authority. I can't remember the title, but he talked about how we're the governing authority as the body of Christ, as believers, that we have authority. And then we began to preach Isaiah 61, that the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he's anointed me to preach, to teach, to set the captive free, to bring sight to the blind, all of those things, to, you know, to give the garment of praise instead of the spirit of heaviness, to bring the beauty instead of ashes, all of those things, because we're trees of righteousness, so that we can be the planting of the Lord the, and glorify him. So we preached all that. So when, um, when my husband preached, he said something in his sermon that um, I was sitting back there going, oh, no. He talked about how he was never man enough to do children's ministry. And then he went on to say that, yeah, children's ministry, I've just never been man enough, never been my thing, whatever, whatever. And uh, some of you really laughed at that and thought, yeah, that's cool. It probably made you feel good, like, whew, I don't have to do it. Well, I'm here to, <laughs> I'm here to tell you man up because it's time. <laughs> man up. It <laughs> uh, doesn't mean that everybody, because I, I do truly, truly understand that all of us aren't called to do all, you know, there are giftings that we have, there are passions. But sometimes there, there's times when we do step into things and God maybe will ignite things that are kind of already there. And we think, well, I'd love to teach, but we're thinking it has to be the big crowd. And sometimes these guys are very, well, you know, it talks about the oaks of righteousness. Some of these are little saplings and we don't have all the kids up here. We have the nurseries, we have the preschools, and then we have these guys. Some of them are little saplings. Some of them are still little acorn. They're still a little nutty. But you're putting into them. You are teaching them. You're a minister. Are you ready? You're a minister when you do this. When you do this, you're a minister. When you do this, you're a minister. You're preaching the gospel. You're preaching the gospel. If you want to learn and think, I just don't have it in me to actually go out and preach. Well, you're preaching the gospel here. So we started out, because there's an incident going on in my family uh, this morning where one of my sons is in the hospital. So these guys prayed with me this morning. Okay, so see, these are the opportunities that you have. 
It's not just you giving out. These guys can learn how to do it too. They're wanting to go home, parents, just so you know, and they're wanting to make ignore buttons. So when they go home today and ask to make it an ignore button, ask them why. Hopefully, they will remember why they're supposed to make an ignore button. We prayed that. We had them put their hands up. So these are the opportunities that you have when you teach. Even our nursery, we don't have a curriculum for nursery, but we do ask the teachers while they're there to hold the kids, to pray over them, to have a little bit of a music time, to have a little bit of, we have storybooks down there. So we're getting the word into them. Our preschool, we have a curriculum. So we definitely, at this point, we have needs this morning in our children's ministry, immediate needs. We are, don't have enough teachers for our nursery, and we don't have enough teachers for our preschool. And we also really could use someone to assist and to lead and to direct these teams. So you may not even be the best teacher that you think you are. I'm not always the best teacher. Sometimes I get down there, and, and uh, I uh, feel like I'm winging it. But these guys, most of the time, are listening and paying attention, and they're in it with me. And we bring needs to them, and we talk. So what you're doing is you're teaching and training and equipping these guys to be us, to, to be up here. And so we, we many times will we'll, um, put music on, we'll play some music, and these guys, their biggest thing is turn the lights off, and they want to turn the lights off, and they walk around, and they pray, and they lay down, and they... We're teaching them. We're, we're teaching them how to set the captive free, how to open the eyes of the blind. We're teaching them that this is God's word. This is who he is. It, it's in us. The word of God is within us. The kingdom of God is within us. So we're teaching them this is within you, and we teach them how to bring it out. This is what you do when you go down there. You're pouring into them what God is doing in you. You don't have to have it all together. I definitely didn't have it all together this morning. But these guys stood with me. They listened. And I'll be honest, I got a phone call while I was down there, and I had told them, it's very rude to have your phone out when you're, uh, you know, in stuff like this. But I will have it this morning. So I told them why. So they listened to the phone call I got. And then they are agreeing. They're listening. They're paying attention. What's happening? How can we pray? This is what you're doing. So I just say that we, we do need the help. We have applications for this. I have been lax on training the teachers this year, but I am planning a teacher's training so we can get together. We can be on the same page. You're welcome anytime to come in. I do go over the lessons. I do help prepare those lessons. And um, so you're not going to be winging it out there on your own, and I'm not going to lock you in the room once you get in there. (laughs) We usually do a six-month calendar. And people have the freedom because there are times people have done it and they felt like this really, really just... It does not really fit. And I understand it really doesn't fit my husband. I really wouldn't want him probably down there teaching. Um, But some of you, you shouldn't have laughed that day because God may be speaking to you. Um, Yeah, so I think that's it. Can you all stand, please? Listen, truth is, is I hate putting us in a position where we feel needy or look needy, but, man, we're needy. Is that just hard to say that? Are you okay? Awesome. I'm just going to pray for you real quick. Pray that the Holy Ghost is going to convict you. I'm just kidding. Anyway, so. No, you guys are awesome. Yep, yep. 
So, Father, we just thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for uh, just the fact that, God, that you've called us all to be ministers. You've given us a ministry. God, you've given us gifts. You've given us passions, God, and you've given us really just an opportunity to serve. And so, Lord, today as your family, as your people, uh, Lord, we recognize, God, that there are needs in the household. And so, Lord, wherever you want us to serve, God, wherever you're prompting our hearts, God, uh, let us just say, man, I'm in. I'm all in. And so, Father, today, thank you for just leading us by the Holy Spirit. And, uh, God, thanks for the ability to even joke about things and make light of things. Uh, but, but Lord, we know at the end of the day, uh, God, you've called us to do a great work, and it's going to require a team. In fact, as we even always say in my house, uh, teamwork makes the dream work. And, and so, Lord, we just pray, God, that teamwork uh, would just be in the house. God, that you'd bind us together in unity and, uh, and love for one another, God, and we'd move forward uh, as a mighty army in this region. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. amen. amen.